So we are, we're looking at the kingdom of God. We've been doing a series running through the book of Matthew. And uh, we've just reached chapter 4. So if you'd like to get your Bibles out and look at chapter 4, verses 12 to 25... And uh, so this talk will finish off kingdom warfare for now. We're going to be looking at uh, kingdom uh, culture uh, when we come back in the new year. So I'm looking forward to that. And today we're going to be looking at Jesus' strategy for kingdom advance through opposition. Because that's what happens from now on. That's what we see from now on, a continual backdrop of opposition spiritually, politically, and religiously uh, in everything that Jesus does. I always find that strange. Jesus preached good news, and he did so many good things. So many people were touched and healed, and yet he faced a constant barrage of opposition. I find that hard to, to understand, just from a human point of view, why Jesus was opposed at every turning, it seems. So at the point that we join the story in verse 12, a year has now passed since the temptations. Uh, But Matthew doesn't record this. In fact, none of the synoptic gospels do, but John's gospel does. So if you just flip over into John, which you don't need to do, I'll just tell you what's happened in this interim year. Because actually, it's, it's known that Jesus' public, his ministry, if you like, lasted for about three years. But the first year, very little is known about It's the second and third years that we read about mostly in the Gospels. But John's Gospel shows us that during that first year, Jesus has been meeting with his disciples, hanging out, it seems. They don't seem to have done much other than just hanging out together. He's performed his first miracle. He's turned some water into wine. He also visited Jerusalem where he got angry and turned over the money changers' tables, which upset a few people. And he had a lovely conversation with a man called Nicodemus, a senior Pharisee, about the kingdom and his need to be born again. And then Jesus hears that things are hotting up for John and decides to return home via Samaria to speak to a woman about a well in the region of Galilee. But by the time Jesus returns home, John has been put in prison by Herod, Apparently because he was concerned about John's growing influence with the people. Well, that's the sort of public message. Actually, we know it's probably the other small matter. He didn't like what John was saying to him about him and his affair with his brother's wife. He didn't think that was on and called him to repent. But somehow this is the trigger for Jesus to begin his public ministry And led by the Holy Spirit, he has three very clear strategies for kingdom advance. So if you look at this passage, if you just turn to it. In John chapter 4, you'll see each of those three strategies quite clearly. Firstly, you'll see that Jesus was positioning himself. There was a positioning going on in verses 12 to 17. It was to do with location, where Jesus' ministry was going to be based at that time. And secondly, you can see that there was a gathering of his disciples. That's between verses 12, uh, sorry, between verses 17 and 22, that there is a gathering of his disciples. Jesus does this because he always works in team. And as I've already said to you, 
Jesus spent a year with most of those disciples already, but they haven't actually gone on a ministry trip yet. But at this point, he calls them to follow him into mission. And then thirdly, you'll see that there's a demonstration of the kingdom right at the end of the passage there. Um, It would help if I was actually in the right book of the Bible. Uh, I don't know what's gone on with me today. I think I had too much to drink in that drinking session a minute ago. And then verses 23 to... 25 of Matthew chapter 4, you'll see that actually there is a demonstration of the kingdom. Signs and wonders break out and Jesus teaches, which is to change people's minds, to teach them about the kingdom. He preaches, which is to confront the heart and to confront the will. And he demonstrates, which is lay his hands on the sick and people get healed physically, spiritually, emotionally and all the rest of that. And uh, I had a very nice, neat sermon all prepared on those three points. And I was all ready to go. And then on Friday afternoon, I felt like God just drew my attention to the first point. says, I just want you to stay on that one today. And so I'm just going to talk about positioning. Now, I've been fighting with the Lord over this. Because actually, even the headings that he gave me don't quite fit with my theology. Um, (laughs) And they may not either with yours. But there is a prophetic emphasis that I feel God wants me to bring today. And I think it's not because um, the headings are particularly doctrinally correct, but it's because God wants to bring some reassurance to some people today. I had a number of conversations over the last few weeks, it seems, about this very fact, my positioning. Am I in the right place? Am I doing the right thing? Am I in the right timing? The right thing is the thing I was struggling with. Rightness, I've discovered in the kingdom of God, is something that God seems to be able to change whenever he chooses it. So I've discovered the direction, for example, uh, and the right direction. God is like satnav. You think you've got the right direction, you take a wrong turn, and you keep finding it brings you back onto the right path. God is amazing at bringing us into the right place at the right time. So with that exclusion... I just want to go through this because I feel like some people need to hear this message today about being in the right place at the right time and doing the right thing because that's what positioning is all about. So let's just read uh, chapter 4, verses 12 to 17. (coughs) So verse 12 says this, When Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he returned to Galilee. Leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, which is by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali, to fulfill what had been said through the prophet Isaiah. Land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way to the sea along the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. And from that time on, it says, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Lord Jesus, would you help me to get the right balance in this message today? Would you help me to bring the prophetic emphasis that you want to bring to different individuals? Lord, you know every life in this room. And I know that there are people here seeking direction at the moment. There are people here saying, God, what is it you want me to do with my life? And I pray, Lord, you would just release your wisdom uh, through this message. And I pray, Lord, that this would be a message of grace that would release people, not a message that ties people in and makes them feel, I've got to get it right. Lord, you're not about that. And I just pray, would you release that message 
through us today in Jesus' name. Amen. I have never started a preach before by disqualifying my own message. Um, so I just want you to know that if you're visiting. But I do feel a prophetic burden to share it in this way. Positioning is about being in the right place, doing the right thing at the right time. I mean, can you see how affirming that would be? To just know I'm in the right place doing the right thing. And it's the right time for me. How much confidence would that give you? I mean, even when things get hard, at least we know, well, this is where God wants me. I can handle it because I know that God's called me here. I can stand on that. That's what positioning is all about. I'm standing on a sure foundation. I know God's called me, and I know what I'm doing, what he's called me to do. But we're always in such a hurry. Now, I'm just amazed at Jesus. He gets baptized in the Holy Spirit. The Spirit comes upon him. And he doesn't just go off and start a mission trip. I mean, how many of us would have done that? No, he actually disappears out into the countryside, apparently for some kind of hanging out time with his disciples. He's waiting for something, and we don't know what it is. He took some time over it. And he waited a year because he knew that some things needed to come together. He needed to know that this was the right place, the right thing, and the right time. Jesus knew the Holy Spirit, the leading of the Holy Spirit, and that important strategic breakthroughs come from good positioning, Jubilee. They come from good positioning, being in the right place at the right time. Let's just talk about that right place. See, Jesus had this question. He says, where am I going to be based? You know, what town should I be based in? Where did the father want him at this time? And there was, there were so many possibilities. He could have chosen all sorts of different places and he ignores the most obvious one. I mean, for, for the coming Messiah, surely he should be based in Jerusalem, which is the religious, the intellectual, the political center of that world. But Jesus doesn't. He ignores that as just an obvious choice, but he returns to Galilee. And I think, you know, humanly speaking, most of us would have chosen Jerusalem as the place to launch Jesus' ministry. Lord, you need to have the place of the most impact. Good marketing. (laughs) It needs to have the place of most significance. You need to start from that place. We would have chosen a city, but Jesus, uh, by the Holy Spirit, went to a village. Now, we would have chosen the most prominent, significant building, but he chose somebody's house in a small backwater called Capernaum. And I think we need to be careful when it comes to this idea of a right place that we don't miss this part of God's strategy for our lives simply because we're waiting for something that's more significant. We're waiting for a more significant venue. We're waiting for a more significant role, a more prominent position. Oh, then I'll have influence. We don't recognize and therefore we miss the positioning of God. Because the job that we have, although it's not at the level we think we should be, is his positioning for us at that time. And the neighborhood that we find ourselves, it might not quite fit with our status in society, but that's where he wants us right now. We're not climbing the property ladder like our friends. He's positioning us, he's put us in that place. So why Galilee? I mean, why Galilee? It says that Jesus returns to Galilee. And the literal meaning of that phrase, returns, is actually withdraws. 
he actually withdraws to Galilee. So John uh, is, is getting himself into some scrapes right now, and so Jesus moves away from him and from a, away from that region that John has been working in. And some have wondered, well, is this because Jesus is laying low because of Herod? Is it that he's just trying to avoid that confrontation? He's wanting to disassociate himself from what happened to John. And if you read the commentators, several people say that. It's possible, I guess, that that's why Jesus did it. But I can't see this fitting with what I know about Jesus. I mean, how can he on the one hand be proclaiming the kingdom, but on the other hand withdrawing to a safe distance? It doesn't make any sense. How can he be bringing the battle and then hiding in a small backwater? I don't think it's right. I don't think that's what it's about. I don't think anything could be further from the truth because I think what Jesus did here was completely strategic. You know, basing himself in Capernaum, possibly at Peter's house, He places himself politically at the seat of that usurper Herod's power. It's it's his seat. That's where his place of authority is. His realm of authority is based in that place. And so another commentator who I prefer suggests that actually this was a direct challenge to Herod. The real king, the true king with the true kingdom is in your backyard. What are you going to do about it? It's completely provocative, and that fits with everything else we know about Jesus. He's not afraid of a fight. He's not afraid of provoking the authorities, because he's the one that has true authority. He's the one that rules. He's the one that reigns. He is the only legitimate authority in the world today. That sounds more like Jesus to me. But also, if you look into Isaiah, you see that the location that Jesus has based himself is fitting with the prophetic. So in verse 14, it describes Zebulun and a nice land beside the sea, the gateway to the sea. And so it's prophetic fulfillment. That's why Jesus chose that particular location, perhaps. But this small village then, just get this. This is where Jesus is based. It's in a tiny, small village. And that becomes his base of operations. It's from here that Jesus and his disciples will work from over the next two years. And it's from here where he will also eventually commission them to go into the whole world. So it's a small backwater, but it's affecting the whole world. Isn't that a bit like Solihull? Isn't that a bit like our town? It's a small backwater, really. But it's going to affect the whole world, I believe that. As Matthew tells us later in the book, most of the miracles that Jesus performed took place within a triangle of three small towns in that region, Capernaum, Chorazin, and Bethsaida. And so the right place was a very important part of God's strategy. And do you know, I think it still is. Even though in the eyes of men, the location you find yourself in seems so insignificant. Let me just say that where God has placed you is always significant. Where you find yourself is always significant because of who you are. Where you're called to be at this place. This place is a place of authority and it is an opportunity for the kingdom of God to come because you are there. Now I really believe that Jesus has a place for you. That there is a place of effectiveness, a realm of authority, a region. 
It's found in where you work, where you live, the church that you're part of. Do you believe that God has a plan for your life? I really do. I believe that he can sort out the messes I make as well. And like the sat-nav illustration I used at the beginning, he can bring me back on course if I'm going off on one. But Jesus has a place of effectiveness. It was so great. We did a, a joining Jubilee course last year, and we're about to do another one, by the way. Um, and we just went around the room and we asked people their stories. How did you come to be here? Just like everybody, it seemed, had a story of how God had led them to be with us. We didn't expect that. There's, a, there's been a gathering going on. God has been sending people to be a part of us. And you know, it's nearly 20 years ago now that God spoke to Alison and I about Solihull. Why Solihull? I mean, why is it significant? I mean, surely Birmingham's much more important, much more significant strategically, but God wanted us here. And that clarity that he gave us has helped us to stand, it's helped us to advance, even in the face of opposition at times. Because we'll say, well, we know this is where God wants us. We shall not be moved. Because this is where God has placed us. This is where he's put us for now. So do you know where God wants you? And if you know where God wants you, are you plugged in? Or are you waiting for something more significant to come? You know, people can get themselves into a right mess about this question. And I was saying, Lord, are you sure you want me to raise this? It's just opening a can of worms. Oh no, am I in the right place? (gasps) You know, people can get some, so worked up about it. But look, here it is simply. You are in the right place until God moves you on. Give yourself to what's in front of you right now with all of your heart. And if God wants to move you on, he will. You won't miss the boat. You won't. He will make it so clear. You are in the right place. I just feel like I need to say that prophetically over some people right now. You are in the right place. Get stuck in. Get plugged in. So that's positioning, being in the right place. Positioning also involves doing the right thing. So you know where you're meant to be, but you don't know why. Why are you meant to be there? Why, what are you meant to be doing there? What is God's purpose for your life? For Jesus, being in the right place meant that there was a particular group of people the Holy Spirit wanted him to reach out to. I mean, it's true, historically, spiritually, religiously, and politically, that Jesus went to the darkest place in that region. And you know, often location determines purpose. Where God has put you, in your workplace, where you live, and so on and so on, it determines your purpose, why he's put you there. You were meant to meet that person. (laughs) You were meant to affect that community. He put you there for that reason. This was his purpose. Jesus' purpose was go to the most troubled people, the poorest, those that were rejected by others, those who were without hope. Leave the rich and the religious and the educated people in Jerusalem. They have no concept of need, even though many of them said they were eagerly awaiting the Messiah. I find that hard. But actually, that's the message that we can deduce from this. God's preference was for the poor for the needy, for those that are in darkness. 
And if we needed any confirmation on this, Jesus confirms his stated purpose when it says that Jesus goes to Capernaum via the local synagogue in Nazareth, which is a large town in Galilee, and then he quoted this famous passage, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, and to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus knew why the Spirit was on him. He knew his mission and purpose. He says, this is what I'm anointed for. This is where I've got to bring the good news. The blind, the poor, the prisoners. Do you know what you're anointed for? You do know you're anointed, don't you? One or two people seem to know that they're anointed. (laughs) Jubilee Church, you do know that you're anointed, don't you? As a church and as individuals, God has anointed you. Why has he anointed you? Why has he anointed you? Now, Jesus based himself amongst the lowest-ranking Jews, a people living in darkness, an area which, for historical reasons, was saturated by Gentiles. So, by association, they were unclean because they live amongst the Gentiles. They lived in the world. They were unclean by association, so they were rejected by their fellow Jews. They were far from the center of religious life in Jerusalem, And they were desperate for rescue. So what greater qualification could there be for this group of people to be the first ones to see the light of the gospel through the message and the miracles of Jesus? Jesus says, repent, change your thinking. God's kingdom is here. You're not the off-scouring of the world. I've come to you. I've chosen to come to you, your place of darkness, and I'm going to shine the light there. It's the hardest place, the most difficult place, the most unlikely place, but that's where Jesus starts. Because there's no better place for a light to shine than in darkness. I mean, why do you need a light if there's no darkness? I mean, it contrasts so clearly, light and darkness. It stands out, you know, where people are poor and broken and discouraged, addicted, abused and desperate. The light shines all the more brightly. So don't be surprised at the people that God connects you with. Some of the places that God will open up for you and for us. People that we will work with, neighborhoods that you will move into. You know, just because we're a Solihull church, it doesn't mean that we will all live in Solihull. Or that we will all have little mission posts in Solihull. You know, God's calling on some people is to go into other areas. To, to go into areas that are not being touched yet. To go into some dark places. And live there. And see, kingdom positioning is about placing lights in dark places. Because the darker the place, the brighter the light. Places where the contrast can most easily be seen so that people living in darkness see a great light. Those living in the shadow of death will know that a light has dawned. Isn't that wonderful? This is our purpose. Isn't it interesting how the light shines so brightly now? (laughs) 
Somebody might want to just uh, shut the curtain for those that are suffering. (laughs) Those that prefer darkness (laughs) on that side of the room. Okay, so know why you're anointed. Know your purpose. Know what God is calling you to do because God is positioning us. I want to repeat the question that Steve asked of us last week. What's God calling you to do and what are you going to do about it? You know, I've been in church life for a few years now and I often come up against this attitude of um, the leaders ought to be doing this. And it used to flummox me in the early days, and I thought, I've got to run around doing everything that everybody tells me I should be doing. And I've actually kind of grown out of that a bit. In fact, I almost burnt out a bit <laughs> doing that. To say, actually, oh, great, if that's what you're seeing, that, that there's some calling there on you. The reason why you're seeing that there's a lack there is because actually God's put something in you, and you've got to do something about it. It isn't just about the leaders. The leaders are there to facilitate you to encourage and support you and resource you, train you if you need that. God is positioning you. God has given gifts to you. He's anointed you and you need to know what you're anointed for. What's your part in this? In what we're doing here at Jubilee? What is your part in this? Why are you in that job? Why are you in that house, that location? What is your purpose? How does that help to facilitate what God is doing here amongst us? That's the question that we should be asking ourselves. This is about positioning the right place, doing the right thing. God has put you there. Let's just get that clear. God has put you there until he moves you on. That's how simple my faith is. God has put you there until he moves you on. And he'll make it very clear if you need to move on. So the right place, the right time, doing things at the right time. Timing, 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 timing. That's hard, isn't it, timing? See, Jesus made no attempt to set up his base of operations until he hears the news about John. It was all about timing. He wasn't going to set up a competitive ministry next to John. He waited until that part of John's life, that ministry had come to a fruition. It was about timing. It's what he said to Mary at the wedding in Cana. Woman, it's not my time yet, meaning it's not time for my public ministry to start yet. But when John was put in prison, something triggered. And Jesus knows the time and he moves in to pick up the baton that John has had to put down. But the message, Jesus' message, is exactly the same as John's, which just shows he's just taking on the baton. Repent, for the kingdom of God is near. He literally takes up where John lets off. And this makes it clear, I think, that Kingdom Advance is not just a series of random occurrences, but is done in deliberate phases of time. Not just random. There is a a method, there's a strategy that the Holy Spirit has. And it might even seem like an obvious statement But it's important to understand, I think, that there are times and seasons in God. It's important because I I think it helps us to rest in his plan and not to get disillusioned and disappointed and frustrated. 
And I've talked to so many people who've been waiting for revival. And it's not happened. Yes, it has. It's just you haven't seen how God's done it differently to how you expected. The spiritualization of our culture you'd never have imagined 20 years ago. People are so much more open to spiritual things. It's just that they haven't quite got the gospel message yet because too many Christians are moaning about the fact that there's not been a revival. That was not in my notes. (laughs) But, you know, timing... It's so hard, isn't it, at times? I mean, why does somebody respond to the gospel today, but five years ago they didn't? And if only they had, it would have saved them so much trouble and heartache and mess. But they respond today. Why? Why did you take so long to come to God? Yeah. (laughs) Did you see I deliberately looked away at that point? (laughs) Why does it take so long? Why is it you pray for somebody on one day and they get healed and you pray for them last week and nothing seems to happen? I don't know. Timing. Timing. I mean, it's very hard to understand, especially when you think about it. We're dealing with an eternal God. And he sits outside of time. And he takes his time sometimes, doesn't he? Because he's got all the time in the world. So we're sitting in this, this tension of, Lord, I've only got so many years to live. And you're in eternity, and stuff needs to happen down here. Timing. The kingdom advance happens through a series of breakthrough moments, which we can't always see at the time. But sometimes God in his grace and mercy will allow us to look back in our lives and say, ah, that's what you were doing, God. There's a series of steps of building blocks I believe that God's doing that with us. As a church, he's been, we've been building. We've got some foundations. We've started building. A series of building blocks. But mostly, you know, in timing, we just need to trust God. He sits outside of time and is in charge of it too. But for Jesus, it was a very clear sense Uh, There was a very clear sense of timing in that John, he'd been sent to prepare the way, but for him, those days of preparation had been completed. Well done, John. You've finished what you needed to do. Now you can hand over. And the handover takes place, and it's the same message, because there's no disqualification, there's only honour for John. Although John says himself, he says that, Jesus, you must increase, and I need to decrease now. He recognized the handover. And this had already been happening to some extent. If you read John chapter 4, verse 1, it tells us that Jesus, or at least his disciples, were already baptizing more people than John. He'd already started to gather people, and he's not even started in full-time ministry yet. Public ministry. And so the tipping point comes... There's a tipping point in the strategy and Jesus moves in. That's it and that's what I'm expecting of. I believe that there are tipping points in the timing of God where things just overbalance and the things that you've been kind of working uphill for and suddenly you go over the top and there's a run down the other side. The tipping point comes and the tipping point came for Jesus and there are tipping points of kingdom advance for us. You know, we've had breakouts of the Holy Spirit amongst us 
in the church. And just a few weeks ago, uh, we had that rain coming amongst us, and I spoke to several people afterwards who literally encountered uh, a dampness on their clothes, and some people had oil on their hands, and other people had dust, gold dust on their... There's tipping points. The, the kingdom of God is breaking out, but there's so much more. I believe we're on a tipping point. You know, and we've seen some healings, but there are so many more healings to come, and I believe that there are significant healings, but there's a tipping point. And we need to pray for more people, I think, to see more healings. We need more sick people to pray for and practice on. Sorry, I don't mean it like that. Uh. (laughs) But we're entering, I think, a new phase of time. A season of growth. A time of kingdom advance that we haven't seen before. Do you feel that? Do you feel that pregnancy? You know, that prophetic word that came earlier from Steve is is just getting to the roots of, are you thirsty? Do you want this? There's tipping points in kingdom advance. And timing is about positioning us for kingdom advance in phases of time orchestrated by the Holy Spirit. So let me ask you this. Do you know the timings of God? Are Are you able to recognize both the seasons and the moments of time. And I want to encourage you, particularly if you uh, are prophetic, a prophetic, but we're all prophetic in some degree, but there's some that prophesy more than others. I want to encourage you to look for the times and the seasons and the moments of God and to get behind them and say, it's here, it's arrived. The kingdom of God has come now. We need to move on this. Because I feel that there are those times, there are those moments for us coming soon, very soon. Very soon, even now. Even today, there was a tipping point in the worship of a a longing for the Holy Spirit. Do you recognize it? Jesus' strategy for the kingdom, advancing it in the face of opposition, is about getting positioning right. Get into the right place, doing the right thing at the right time. Stand on that clarity of foundation. Don't be wavering anymore, saying, oh, maybe I should be off here, off there. Stand, unless God makes it clear that you're off somewhere else or doing something else. Do what God has given you to do with all of your heart as unto the Lord. And I believe that there will be many that will see these tipping points, these breakthrough moments, because what we're about here is kingdom advance through opposition leading to breakthrough, many people being saved and added. Do you know who you are? Do you know who you are and what you're called to do? And when you're called to do it, now do it. Simple. <laughs> Just do it. God is positioning us for kingdom advance. Praise God. Let me just conclude now. I just feel like only, this isn't particularly prophetic other than the fact uh, <clears throat> God's weighed my heart with this, but I know obviously that there are people that are looking to clarify locations, uh, to understand spheres of influence. Some people are getting promotions in their jobs. Should I take that? Should I take this job? Should I take another job? People are being offered stuff. And, and it's very practical, very practical stuff. Where should I live? Where should I be working? 
Some are saying, well, is this the church I should be getting plugged into? So I know that there are those. But I want you to go back to the basics of, God, I'm here, wherever it is that you are, in your workplace, and I'm going to be significant in that place for you. I'm going to trust you that this is the positioning of God for me at this time. You know, some of you have even had some opposition with some of the decisions that you're making. Well, we know from looking at this series that opposition is something that should encourage us. More often than not, it means you're on the right lines when you're facing opposition. I want to encourage you to push through, keep trusting God. Don't get the timing all the time. We don't get the timing sometimes. Why, why, why? Well, something that you need to push through. There's something you need to stand on for this next step. And then that whole timing issue. I mean, so many people get disappointed and disillusioned. They get confused and frustrated, and it's down to timing. You know, as if God owes you anything. <sighs> I mean, he gave his whole life. I mean, what else can he give you? <laughs> But there are tipping points, I believe, for some people here in this room today. There's some tipping points. And there's some breakthroughs coming. I think that God is going to release some destiny over some people today. But you can rest in his timing. And it may be that we need to get behind some of you today and say, Lord, will you just help me with this tipping point? Will you give me a push? (laughs) Spiritually, prophetically, would you... You know, just confirm my direction. Confirm I'm I'm moving in the right place. Doing the right thing at the right time. But for the whole church, I believe that there is a tipping point for us. There's growth that Jesus has promised. The supernatural breaking out healings amongst us. I really believe that God is positioning us for some kingdom breakthroughs at this time. Amen.